This is the House of Pop Culture. I'm Anthony Donovan. Amy Meredith. Gerwood Murray. And Joe Reese. And for the next hour or so, we'll be talking your face off about all things pop culture related. Now, it's always a wonderful and rare thing when filmmakers and artists and actors and technicians come together, blessed by Hollywood to create a hit, especially one that brings more art to the world or makes people happy or has a cultural lasting impact or mostly just makes money. And then sometimes Hollywood is like, hey, do you remember that thing we did that made a whole bunch of money? Let's do it again and again and again and again. And then 10 years later, they'll be like, hey, remember that time we did that thing seven times that made money? Let's do it again and again and again. And that's what tonight's episode is about. That is right. We are talking about our favorite and least favorite Hollywood sequels, remakes, and reboots. Okay. Remakes and reboots. So I think we should start off. We should start off. Finding what these are. Everyone knows what a sequel is. We'll skip that. So I looked it up. Oh, fun fact. Uh -huh. I wish I had like a ding fun fact. Um, a definition of a reboot. A reboot takes elements from the established series and transform them to reflect a changing time, changing audience, or to simply freshen up the story and attract new fans along the way. And freshen up story means make more money off of that right. dead horse. Yeah, I, think, I think someone in Hollywood wrote that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A remake is a production of a film, television series, video game, or similar form of entertainment that is based upon an earlier production. A remake tells the same story as the original, but uses a different cast and may alter the theme or target audience a little. So there's your differences. Okay. Everybody oh, got right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that makes sense. All right. Well, while I was on that, I wanted to know for myself, what was the first movie sequel? Woo. Ben-Hur. No. The first movie sequel was in 1916. It was the sequel, and it was called Fall of a Nation, which was the sequel to a very, very, very racist movie called Birth of a Nation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's one of those things where, yeah, Birth of a Nation is definitely one of those things where it's like there's the historical film side of it that's like the first really long, full-length movie. Then there's the fact that it began the complete, utter racism yes. in film. At least it was completely racism. Yeah. yeah. The, the first sequel was racist. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to America. Right? Way to, way to head out of the park right early in the century. <laughs> right? The first remake was The Great Train Robbery in 1904. <laughs> the director remade his own film from 1903, and he just added more violence. Wow. So again... <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> and that's and I think that's the version everyone knows is that the nineteen oh four one. Right. Well, well of course the one that I know. I just I just want to know like if he, he made this film and then he went and go you know, he get gave his nickel or however much movies cost back then and watched it and on the screen and just thought, you know, I really feel like this needs more violence. <laughs> I, I like need to crack at this. I like the idea that he was prob probably arguing with the studio. Where he's yeah. like, the body count must be higher. Look, man, if the body count's higher, we can't get the rating that we want, and thus we can't get as many people in front of that screen. You know how this goes, baby. This is show business. I'm pretty then sure it's the rating system. It was yeah. 1904. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, 
when you look at the like there's that um thousand one movies to see before you die yeah that's the second movie on the list so that means only one movie prior to that is a movie you should see and that's i think the um the moon one um but um the moon it's so funny when people talk about hollywood being out of ideas the fact that since when movies began, they were already remaking the same shit over and over again. I think like, that's a good like, point. Right? Nineteen ten, there are like four different versions of Alice in Wonderland. Yep. And I think back then, Durwood movies were only rated silent or or talky. I don't know. No, there were no. No, not even then. It was like silent and deadly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Organ or piano. That's how they were rated. <laughs> I kind of question what was the first reboot, but uh, several. So this is a fun fact in the fact that I had fun looking it up kind of way, because I found several websites that said this. The first reboot was The Return of Godzilla in 1984. Uh, no, the fact that, you know, the Oscar winning Ben-Hur with Charlton Heston, that's like the fourth version of that of that story and movie. Oh. So, but is that a remake or a reboot? Um... I think depending on, um, it could be either, right. depending on how they are. I mean, I think there's where you're skirting that fine line of... Yeah, yeah so Return of Godzilla should go fuck itself. <laughs> Damn. I, I believe that was the title of the third movie. Um, and then the movie that has probably the most remakes and reboots, because it has over 50 of them, and the first Disco one... Disco Godfather? Yes. <laughs> and the first one was in 1901. That would be A Christmas Carol. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Good call, yeah. There are Back to that well. Many ver again, the first one 1901. Yeah. The and year Walt Disney was born. What? Really? Yeah. Damn, he's old. Well, he's dead. Now I'm bombed. Um, so Sorry yeah. you had to find out this way. Right? So yeah, that one takes the place for the most remakes, which of course I once you say it, you're like, yeah, like there's so many of those and there's animated ones and TV shows and yeah. Mm -hmm. Although did anyone watch the one that just came out on FX last year? There was a new Christmas Carol? It was I a didn't know there was, one. was it with Carol Burnett? If I would have probably watched it if it was. Why would it be a series? What, what is episodic about that? Who doesn't know that story? I don't know. I didn't watch it. It looked like it was trying to be like a, like a horror Dude, series. it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, this ghost comes and visits him. It was the sickest shit. I wonder what's going to happen tomorrow night and the night after that. <laughs> so, so. But there were only three ghosts. I'm just saying. Four if you count Jacob Marley. I'm just saying. So all four. Right. So that lays down our groundwork, I think, of what we're talking about this evening. Um... And then I looked up and I found sequels that made more money than the original. Ah. Yeah. All right. One of them would be uh, Desperado, which was the sequel to El Mariachi. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, seeing as El Mariachi was made for 10 grand. Yeah. But still. <laughs> it, I think it was shown in front of seven people. But then you have Desperado with Antonio Banderas looking all kinds of hot. And, of course, that's always going to make more money. Oh, and uh, Salma Hayek's in that, too. Yeah. Oh, Antonio Banderas and Salma Hayek in the same movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Too much Latin heat. Yes. Um, Take my money. Clerks. And then Clerks 2 made way more money than Clerks. 
And that's surprising, but I guess Clerks finally pretty much found its life in video and not in, in oh, yeah. a successful run. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Clerks was a cult hit, and then Clerks 2 had a major nationwide release. Well, and after, it, yeah, after, after all the um, Jersey Trilogy films that came out. Correct. Right. It out uh, made more money. It made twenty three million dollars more than its original. So I think he did well there. Wait, what was that? Clerks made twenty three million dollars more. Clerks two made twenty three million dollars more than Clerks. Damn. I was gonna say so. Clerks two made like twenty five million. Forty six. Yeah, baby. Um, I thought it was even high too. Yeah. This didn't surprise me either. Uh, Tron Legacy made much more money than Tron. I'd be willing to bet, though, a lot of that, and I don't know how they calculate things, but how much that had to do with the... Uh, money and dollar figures. What I meant was, how much does it affect the fact that ticket prices are higher? Oh, oh they, you, almost nothing's um, um, adjusted for inflation. Oh, okay. When they talk about these. But, but still... I think even if we're like, if you try to like go by the same. Well, because you've got the, and, and more on this later, but you've got the length of time between the original yeah. and the remake. The original was a flop and then found its life later. So it built up 20 years worth of fandom and then Tron Legacy came out. So it makes sense that it would at least have opened stronger. Mm. But there's going to be a third one. Yeah. Eventually, uh, maybe. Right. Well, at last I checked, and I actually looked this up today, uh, apparently as of June 2020, they are currently in development, and apparently Jared Leto is supposed yeah. to start. That's why I'm not happy about it. Because all you need is the chick from the last one to, to helm that movie. But I put him in it. That's weird. Oh. I hope he goes somehow finds a way to go method and go inside the computer and never come right. out. Um, you have Terminator. And Terminator 2, which made yep. a fucking load more money oh, than Terminator. For me, Terminator 2 was a much better film. It is. And Terminator 2 is a genre-defying film, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Like, we can talk, I can talk shit as much as I want about James Cameron. He did it with Terminator 2. I mean, that was some shit right there. Agreed. Um, movie we've talked a lot about here recently. Uh, Austin Powers, Man of Mystery, got... Yep. Way outshone by Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. Oh, yeah. The first Austin Powers was flew, it was an April release. It, like, flew so under the radar. No one knew what the hell it was. Mm-hmm. But everyone knew what it was when Austin Powers 2 came out right after episode one. Had probably one of the best trailers ever. Oh, well, yeah. Because it was right before, before the episode one trailer had come out. And it was, like, you know, basically they're panning through all this rubble and, and space and then turns around as Dr. Evil. So everyone thought, oh my God, this is the episode one trailer. <laughs> it's like, no, it's Mike Myers trolling us. Mm-hmm. Um, so this one was on the list and I'm not sure how I feel about it because I think this is more of a reboot than a sequel, but Jurassic Park 3 and then Jurassic World. Jurassic no, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. It's a... It's because it's still in the same world, and so I would say it's it's a sequel within the same world. Jurassic World Jurassic. hit Jurassic Park Three's ass. Yeah. Now Jurassic World versus Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, well, I wonder what that is because Jurassic Park was Jurassic a bona fide yeah. hit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then you had <laughs> Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, and Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Mm. Wasn't Force Awakens the number one movie of all time? So it it hammered Episode Three, which did not make a whole lot of money compared to some of the other Star Wars. Well, no, because by the time by the time Revenge of the Sith came out. We had already had two other prequels that were pretty awful, comparatively. Uh, and uh, I think people were, were tired of the bullshit by then, so they were just kind of being completist about it to see how it would connect to episode four. Yeah. I know that's why I saw it. Although the, sec- the second one of the prequels is the worst. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. of, of the prequels, Revenge of the Sith is actually my favorite. Uh, oh, he's by far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah agreed. Well, the fact that, like, I think, like, 75% of what Lucas had in store for the prequels was episode three. So it's like, right. maybe she's done one. And then I have the highest grossing sequels of all time. Ooh. Who, who wants to take a gander? What's, what's the top? Force Awakens. Force Awakens. It's nope. Pat 2. No. Uh, Police Academy 4. Wish. It is Avengers Endgame. Ah. Uh, Oh, yeah, that right. That took over Force. Yeah. Avengers Endgame. Although, because of all the movies of the Avengers and everything, I for some reason, I don't really classify them in my head as sequels for some reason, and I don't know why. Even though that's exactly what they are. I don't know. Yeah. It's because of the way they tell that story, and because we have this whole universe of stories that are included. Right. Uh, it, it, we don't think of them necessarily as connecting in the same way we do you know, like uh, Godfather 1 to Godfather 2. It, it's it's more than that. It's For some reason, it seems bigger and larger, and it's hard to think of it as just a sequel as, as opposed to another part of the story. Yeah, and well, within, and within the series of the MCU, you mean, like, Thor is not a sequel, but, you know, Thor 2 right. is, even though Thor takes place within it. But, I mean, at least, at least Endgame, you're going to have where it's like, that is a direct sequel to Infinity Wars, so right. that... True. That one is your top grossing with Star Wars Force Awakens, right? I mean, it is right underneath it. Um, underneath that is Infinity Wars. <laughs> so the Avengers ha- are up there in the top three. Oh, boy! All <laughs> 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 three! Um, coming in at number four, we have Jurassic World. All right. I liked that movie. I, I did, too. People did, but I, I actually enjoyed that movie. Look, the fact that Bryce Dallas Howard ran around that park in high heels the entire movie without taking her shoes off, that is to be commended. No, she took them off at one point. At one point you, yeah, she, like, she's going through like half of it, and then she's like, when they're at the top of that waterfall, she like takes them off and is like... But still, that's a long time to run around in heels. Yep. Um, in mud. Right underneath that, which this one shocked the hell out of me, Fast and Furious 7 was... No, I, I mean, that's a... Okay, if I'm remembering correctly, I think that may have been the one where Statham is in it, like his first appearance, which means that the one before it, he made like he made an appearance in the post-credits scene, and so I think people were really enthusiastic. Seven was the one with um, Charlize Theron, wasn't it? And where... Um... He was in one of those movies? Oh, Truth Throne was like a villain and like chewing scenery like no one's business. Like it was. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, Derwood, you say enthusiastic. I think the word you're looking for is horny. Um, audience members were horny about Jason Statham, and I've said many times, who watches these movies? But apparently, someone does. Mm -hmm. I love them. Like I'm they're like they. Same like the first one was like you know looking back like it was trying to be like all realistic and stuff. Then two went downhill because you lost Vin Diesel. Tokyo Drift is Tokyo Drift, and then like starting with four, it started getting back to like what they were, and then they start just going, building up and up and up the utter ridiculousness of, and it's just car chases, car chases, cars flying across rooftops of skyscrapers. It is. Nope. The Rock. Yep. Um, the movies that it beat out, though, I very yeah, because right under. And that might have been the first one with The Rock too. So you entered it was Statham and The Rock. Five was the first one with The Rock. Thank well, then never mind, sir. Um, it beat out Frozen Two, which <laughs> just it blows my mind. The movies that it beat out here. I Frozen, still haven't seen Frozen Two. It's, it's good. good. It's good. The music is better in the original Frozen, but it's good. Um, and, and and it's it's great, you know. Just sometimes um, when you need to let out, just yelling out into the unknown is quite therapeutic. Other song better. Into the unknown is a better song than show yourself. I said what I said. I like show yourself better. I like into the unknown better, but it's all but from the like you just need to build something out. You just I mean, getting all four people in our house yelling out. It, well, I mean, yeah, if there's anything we've learned from that film franchise is the makers of those films absolutely hate parents. And they were like, they were like with the sequel, they are like, all right, we have to top Let It Go for kids to sing. How can we get them to actually scream? And then Into the Unknown was born. Yeah. Um, right underneath that, we have Avengers Age of Ultron. Mm. Not one of the best. My, le my least favorite Avengers. Yeah. I agree. Like, well, I'm such a Spader fan that I, I anything, I, I just love his voice. So, yeah, him being a snarky robot, I'm about it. James Spader gives me the creeps. He's supposed to. That's his job. Well, he should cut that shit out. I was next to him at a red light once during Comic-Con. Scariest red light of my life. <laughs> I loved his turn on The Office briefly when he was the, uh, we took over from Michael Scott. Oh, gave me the creeps. It was great. <laughs> All right. And then the only Harry Potter to land on this top ten. Anybody want to take a guess? What's the highest grossing? I'm going to say the first one. It's sequel. Think... Oh, I'm going to say the second one. Hallows part two. Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. The that last would one. be fun. Deathly ah. Hallows part two. Yeah. <laughs> Look how happy Derwood is. All right. We have another star. Der. The Last Jedi. And then the sequel to Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. I'm actually surprised that one made that much money. I'll be honest. I didn't even know that movie came out. I, for, I pay so little attention to Jurassic Park and that whole universe. I'm sorry. I lost I'm, track after Lost World. I, I was, um, Fallen Kingdom was, eh, all right. It, it got interesting because basically everything you see in the trailer is like just in the first half. So like you have no idea what's in the second half. And so it kind of takes a weird turn. I'm excited for the next one because it's supposed to be getting like Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Goldblum back in it, and what? not just and not just Goldblum testifying in front of Congress, you know, doing voice voiceover shit. I hope we get we go the full Goldblum, like Grandmaster Goldblum. The full Goldblum. I love him. 
And then our last one, Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which was actually very good. Yeah. All right. And then I looked around and I said, well, what are the worst sequels, Internet? <laughs> tell, me, tell, me your, tell me your truth, Internet. What are the worst sequels? And here's what the Internet told me. Look Who's Talking 2. T-O-O. Okay. Which was the third one? Wait. No, no it was the second no. one. The third one was Look Who's Talking Now. Now, yeah. Which is also on the list. Yeah. I, I, a bone to pick, Look Who's Talking 2 is actually not that bad. Uh, it's one of John Travolta's best performances. I yeah, said it. Say, not saying much. And it's not, it's not great, but it's also not horrible. Let's not disparage it. Look Who's what, Talking Now is some bullshit. What it could have been, though, if you remember at the end of Look Who's Talking... When the baby comes out, well, not you don't see it come out, but you know when the baby starts talking and it's, and it's Joan Rivers saying, "Can we talk?" Yes. And just the thought of that is like, yes. Well, she didn't do the sequel. It was Roseanne Barr. Yeah. Yep. Y'all so, about that movie. I just I never saw anything past the first one. The first one was terrible. That's oh. not true. The first one was cute and adorable. <laughs> um. I would have to agree with this one, Caddyshack 2. Oh my god. Uh, that is one of my choices on my on my list. Thank okay. you. Unnecessary. It's basically it's like if you take Caddyshack, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Yes. If you take that VHS tape, think about it, or the film, whatever you want to do, whatever means, put it in a blender. Blend it up. Eat it and film what comes out later. <laughs> that is better than wow. Caddyshack Two. Wow. <laughs> Although I refer, I I I I, I, wow. I do reference um, Fontanoon quite often. I, I think Joe just told us the truth, and I, and I know your your metaphor was about shit. But honestly, if you ate polyester film, you'd probably get really sick and throw up. Still, <laughs> yeah, both ends. Yeah, it stands. Still better. The metaphor stands. Um, then we have Weekend at Bernie's 2. Uh, Weekend at Bernie's oh, That has though. Bostwick in it. <laughs> I don't know how you go, okay, let's do this again. Like <laughs> In a world where rigor mortis doesn't exist. Oh, no, it, invo it involves voodoo. It involves voodoo, and it was the 80s, so you know a lot of coke was involved. Um, and what else were Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy doing at the time? Good point. Sure. Problem Child 2. Oh, that did not need to go past one. It surely did not. Wait, the blood was a little girl, right? No, it was no. the same boy. It was, it was the same boy and John Ritter. John Ritter. Mm. Rest in peace, John Ritter. Thank you. Um, I didn't know this was a sequel. Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2. The fact that there's more than one. <laughs> Derwood is flummoxed. I am not a child nor a registered sex offender, so I had no need to see those movies. <laughs> exactly, and here's the thing. Sequels get made because originals make money. Yeah. And the fact that Baby Geniuses made money um, is essentially it's a crime against humanity is what it is. Mm -hmm. Or it made enough money that they could cut corners probably reuse a lot of freaking stock footage 
and make it on the cheap and make even more money. Um, you mean there weren't dwarfs in baby costumes? <laughs> well, they went away from that in the second one. On every list I saw, Return to Blue Lagoon. I have a hard time understanding how that is a sequel. Because it's the same people. They return to Blue Lagoon. Brooke Shields wasn't in it. That was Mila Jojovich. Well, it's a sequel. They recast. They recast it was it. made far too many years later for it to be well, the same yeah. Cast. I mean, that would have been a cool movie. <laughs> the two of them were like middle-aged and stranded on an island. Isn't that the movie where the brother and sister do the no-no? Yes. And they made a sequel to that? Yes. Why and they're also they underage? Coming back from mo-no-no. You know, it's unacceptable in the real world for us to do this. Let's go back where it was okay. Well, because they have a kid, Derwood. They have a baby. No! No! That's not a super baby. Oh, can we move That's on? Game of Thrones shit. The creeps. I'm Just sorry, Derwood. The porn we'll, I read. We will move on, Derwood, with what was on every single list at number one: Human Centipede Two. They made a sequel to that. They made they two made, sequels. Yeah. Oh my Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> there is no Jesus in the land of Human Centipede. No. Apparently not. not in this world. God can save you. I didn't see. Any of these. Me either. I no, and I it's like I know enough of the premise that I don't need to see any of them. Yeah, I love horror films, and I said, I say no thank you. Watching that movie should be reserved as a threat for children who are not behaving correctly. <laughs> I use it. Damn, Derwood. Sadly, I think Rosie would be into it. Clean your room. <laughs> you better watch this. <laughs> Jesus. She'd get ideas. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't let Rosie watch it. Yeah. Okay, while we're talking about the bad, uh, I pulled up bad remakes and reboots. I'm sure that was a boisterous list. It was. M we have I, I'd say almost all of them. I'm trying to. I was trying to think of a good reboot, and I couldn't. Okay. I have quite a few. I have five of them and honorable mentions. Well, you also have sequel. Well, you didn't have to do five reboots and five sequels. No, I know. Okay, I, I commingled. Go ahead. Yeah. So. On the as I was searching for bad remakes and reboots, I had The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Oh yeah, that was. I actually watched that. It was not good. No. And, I and then they were going to try and make a whole universal creature universe because oh. that's what people do now. Yeah. Because like when um, Russell Crowe came out as uh, who was he? Was he Frankenstein or was he? No, Russell uh, Crowe was in The Mummy. Yeah, you know, he was in The Mummy, but he was playing, like, Frank Dr. Frankenstein or, oh, yeah, yeah. or some other character or, like, Van Helsing or some bullshit like that. Not good. Never heard of it. He was oh. trying to do, like, the the um, the Sam Jackson, Nick Fury thing. I'm putting yeah. together the Avengers. I had forgotten about this one. Poseidon Adventure. They made oh, a role Poseidon. Poseidon. Yes, Fergie was in it. <laughs> I was reminded of that last night because we were checking to see if the newest season of Pose was on Hulu. And uh, as Nicole is putting it, it's P-O-S-E. The only thing that showed up that's on Hulu is Poseidon. Well, okay. And you decided to watch it? No, I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I saw it but you know, before. But yeah, it was not good. Not no. good. Uh, I watched this one. thought it was meh. Tomb Raider, the new Tomb Raider. 
I never saw I, the new one. The not Angelina Jolie one. There you go. Nah, I for me, Laura Croft in real life can only be Angelina Jolie. Well, okay. Um, Wicker Man, the Nicolas Cage version. That's not my honorable mentions. Of best or worst? <laughs> Fair. I'm um, but even given my love of Cage, no, it's on the worst because, yeah, that's just, it's just, the first Wicker Man is so good. Right? If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. I'm glad you said that. The original is so good, and the Nicolas Cage one is so. And it's long. a horror, but it's not like you're. It's not you're not gonna. It's not like you're. You know, blood and guts horror type thing. Moments. It's just. It's the boom moments. Okay. All right. Uh, the remake of Point Break. <sighs> I refuse. I absolutely refuse. And here's the thing: we talk a lot of shit about Keanu Reeves, but we also we say really that, yes. that he should do and that he's good in. Point Break is one of those, yes. and there's no need to do anything else to that movie, no need to bring anyone else in. There's no. nothing that's better than, Bodie, I am an FBI agent. It doesn't get better than that, ever. <laughs> no, it's, it, and Swayze. You can't improve on Swayze yeah. in that movie. I, I don't get and it. And pretty much anything. If Swayze's doing it, you can't improve on it. Honestly, it's a disgrace to his memory. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't watch it. I, I couldn't. I, I have too much fondness for that original. Um, the remake of The Stepford Wives with uh, Nicole Kidman. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I, I didn't watch it because that was also directed by Frank Oz, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's so weird because the original is a horror movie, and they took it to comedy. Yes, they actually they tapped Paul Rudnick to write it, and he wrote In and Out. Uh, okay. He also wrote one of the films on my list, but we'll get to that in a bit. But it just, it had nothing, yeah, it was not like the original at all, and it wasn't very good. It, despite having the, a really good cast, that's the thing that kind of sucks about it, because you had Bette Midler, you got Nicole Kidman. Um, Roger Bart was Roger in that, right? Roger Bart, yeah. Wasn't Matthew, Broderick in it? Wasn't yeah, Matthew yeah. Broderick's in it. Like, you've got a really good cast, and yeah, they fucked it up. They gotta pay bills somehow. Well, I mean... Sometimes taking taking a film and changing its genre in a sequel works really, really well. And I'll expand on that, but I'm convinced that one of you has the movie I'm thinking about right now on your list. So we'll get back to that. Um, mm -hmm. One of the movies that was on all the lists that I saw as unnecessary was Gus Van Sant's version of Psycho. More that was my number one worst. We, I have <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> I have talked about this one because Psycho is one of my favorite movies and the fact that this is not thank god I had enough honorable mentions so I, I considered I considered not even including that on my list because I knew not only that it would be on your list Joe but that it would be your number one yeah it is the most worthless piece of shit there ever was there is absolutely no reason it is an art school project. It is something you would do for your directing class where yes. you're like, you know what? I'm just going to recreate a movie shot yeah. for shot, except I'm going to imply that Norman Bates masturbates while he's looking through the yes. preferred picture. Masturbatory but, level of self-indulgence. And it's like, and I love Gus Van Zandt. He does some great shit. He what? does some weird ass shit. And then he does shit. And that shit is psycho. Literally no point. <laughs> the only good thing ever to come out of that movie 
is I have a shower curtain for Psycho, and that's yes. the only good thing. No one should and, ever have to watch that movie if they've never seen the original. They should not be allowed to watch that movie if they've never seen the original. Oh, yeah. Can, that, we, can we go ahead and say that there's? Can we go ahead and say there's no point to a, a shot-for-shot remake of anything ever? No. <laughs> Unless you're trying to do something to hone your skills and like an art school project or something right. like that where you want to say, hey, look, I can do it. Not spend tens of millions of dollars and release it in December. You know, and it's like you're going you're gonna to pick what many critics have literally called Hitchcock's most perfect film. That's the one you want to bite? Like, the fact that there is a documentary on about 20-some seconds of film. Yep from the shower scene. There's a whole documentary on the shooting of that. And that's just 20 seconds of this entire movie. I made jo- Joe's blood boil. Um, well, I, I was going to make my blood boil later on. So <laughs> there's, there are, of course, the genre of taking TV shows to screen. Yep. Yep. Um, and the number one that people seem to despise the most. Charlie's Angels? No. Lost in Space. Oh, oh, I forgot about that one. And that one hurts because it's Gary Oldman, and I love. But isn't the new Gary series Oldman. really good? The new series is awesome. I love. But yeah, Gary Oldman. I think Gary Oldman was the only good thing about that. Mimi Rogers. Don't you dare say a bad thing about Mimi Rogers. <laughs> Everything else is fucking hell. Well, Matt LeBlanc was in it. So there. Yeah. And he wasn't playing a Joey Tribbiani. Right, but no, the series on Netflix is really good. I'm a big fan of that series, but yeah, that one seemed to be the one people despised the most, going from small screen to big screen. All right, let me see what I got here. Best remakes and reboots. I said, "Internet, talk to me. Tell me what you feel." I'm I'm a little leery to do these now because I, I'm a, I'm going to skip some of them because I think some of them are going to be on the list and if they're not, you've already taken two of mine. I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, one of them I didn't know was a remake. True Lies. What? It's a it's a French film. It was a French film. Oh, huh. mm-hmm. oh shit. Well, that, I that French film. I love That's, that. Ah, uh, married. <laughs> Never seen it. Um, A Star Is Born. Is on there because there are so many on there. Yeah, I actually just for the first time uh, I was uh, like two months ago. I was up in Palm Springs with my boyfriend for the weekend, and he showed me the Barbara Streisand version of A Star Is Born, and I'd I'd already seen the Gaga Bradley Cooper version, and I never realized this very not good movie. Like it's not good. Uh, neither one of those characters, Chris Christopherson or Barbara Streisand, were particularly likable, and her outfits were just so fucking good. That's my least favorite of the four. My yeah. favorite is still the Judy Garland one. That I, am, is... I have yet to see that one. And, you, and what they have a version of it because it got drastically cut down. Like there's a three-hour version, but a lot of the some of that cut footage was lost. So they have a lot of some stills and stuff, but they have like the audio, but they'll have like just kind of stills throughout like TCM plays it periodically. So it's like a reconstructed. Yeah, so there's just a few things where it's kind of like the cut scenes that were put back in for a director's cut, but it's just kind of some still still shots from those scenes. Because I, I I liked the Gaga Bradley Cooper version. I did not care for the Barbra Streisand. So you're saying I should watch Judy Garland? 
Yeah, and then there's the original one that um, from the 30s, and that one actually took it from it was. Um, I want to say no, never mind. That, that was that was film because it was a very early film one. So the first two were film. Then it went more into music. Well, all right. I only need to do a theater version of it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it it would lend itself beautifully to the stage. I agree. That'd be stage great. musical. Turn the yep. stage musical about a stage musical. Yeah. Um. You know what? We're gonna jump to our homework because I don't want to take anyone else's uh, top fives. So my my, my here, so. What? I said my shit's all obscure, so it's not that big a deal. Oh. I thought mine was obscure. <laughs> so I gave the boys some homework. I asked them to come up with their least favorite reboots, remakes, and sequels, mm -hmm. and their five favorite reboots, remakes, and sequels. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the least favorite. Those okay. are fun. Who's going first? Who's up? I can. Go. All right. Well, for me, I did the five most unnecessary remakes yes. that I uh, that I really thought didn't need to happen ever. Uh, so let me say, we're going to go ahead and start off with... Da -da 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 -da. Pirates of the Caribbean 2 through 5. Agreed. If they had just left that first film alone, I am of the belief that it would have become an undisputed Disney classic. Yes. And I know that it made a buttload of money, so of course, you know, Mickey was going to, oh boy, and, you know, make as many sequels as humanly possible and give us more Johnny Depp until we just can't stand it anymore. The original film is really, really good and really was surprising. I did not expect it to be that entertaining, and it should have just been left alone. So, yeah, two through five, Pirates of the Caribbean, completely unnecessary, did not need to be made. Also, you didn't realize there were that many. I'm, right now, because we got Disney Plus, I'm watching all the theatrical releases. Yeah. And I and he's like, what are you watching now? And I'm like, Pirates 4. And he's like, there was a fourth one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, Pirates, Pirates 3 is one of only two movies in my life that I have ever got up and walked out of. Oh. Because it was so yeah. fucking boring. Yeah. All right, Pirates. All yeah. right. I'll go. Um, my first one is a television reboot. And I came to the this show late, and I loved it. And then they rebooted it, and it was awful. Heroes Reborn. Uh, I never got it back into the second Heroes. So unnecessary. Hero yeah, just absolutely unnecessary. Anything after the first season of Heroes was pretty much... Yeah, but it's it's a shame, because the first the first season of Heroes is amazing it's transcended it's probably the it's it's a showcasing of what the what television can do when it's at its best the yeah. second season was way not as good and yeah. also got got thrashed by the writer strike oh yeah mm. and so i can understand the want and desire to grasp at what that first season was but it was way past the time there was just it, it wasn't there anymore and we should just all fondly remember how great that first season was. So I was at the um, Comic-Con pa panel where they showed the initial pilot that they then changed a bit uh, based on reactions and stuff. So like a little bit of the um, plot line changed. But at that panel, they were talking about it and how, and Tim Kring, who um, created it, he was talking about his concept of it was every season would take a new group of you know heroes and people with powers and so it would be kind of more anthology-esque it's what it seemed to be like did he get into my, like season two or three because the first season was such a phenomenon and then it became 
he said something like, yes, it's always been about the Petrellis and the Bennett. Like, bullshit, motherfucker. You said early on that it was, like, it was about this. You know what you're saying. So you need to kind of, you know, yeah. And then that's where I think it became that trying to, you know, grab that lightning and just go with it. And then. Which is a shame because the first season, not in addition to being good, was also really popular. Like the show was doing well. So that would have been the perfect opportunity to continue with his vision. Yep. But instead, he just chased the numbers. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the reboot did not need to happen. All right, boys, which one? Uh, I'll go. Uh, first on it, I'll go with uh, Austin Powers' gold member, uh, the mm-hmm. third in the series. I uh, am weird. The, the jokes were just being uh, retold. It was a lot of hat on a hat. Beyonce is miscast. That Don't role should have played by Taylor. Yeah. But it was just it was just not good, and it was a whole lot of retreading. And I think I, I think there it's not a coincidence that there hasn't been one since, um, and that they went to something way different with um, oh uh, the love oh. guru. Oh yeah, that was a fine quality piece of. Film. No, it wasn't. It really no, wasn't. It was not. It was a piece of shit. Yes, but if you if you look at it honestly, it's like it's Austin Powers four in its structure. Yeah. Um, but they just went away from the the whole package. Uh, yeah, and apparently he like for Love Guru, he like went in underground and did um like stand up and stuff and and to to hone that character. I'm like, really? Yeah. You had well, to hone he, that. He wrote Austin Powers in two weeks, so yeah. maybe he shouldn't have spent as much time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joe. So um, one of the ones that has not been taken is. And I'll stop harping on that, maybe. Um, basically, any Pink Panther movie that came after out after Peter Sellers died. Uh, and I say that purposefully because not any movie that Pink Panther movies that does not star Peter Sellers because Blake Edwards created the trail of the Pink Panther using a bunch of old clips of Peter Sellers and flashbacks to other movies that came out in like 1983 or something like that. Then there was the Roberto Benigni one in the 90s. And then there's a Steve Martin one. Ones. And like on list that I saw, it was like worst sequels of all times, like Pink Panther 2. I'm like, well, also the first Pink Panther sucks because they're horrible. <laughs> but there's like, especially Pink Panther and A Shot in the Dark. Those are the two best. If you haven't seen them, see them. Wait, it came out after the 80s. Was it? What? what? Hot in the dark? No, that's a cry in the dark. Sorry. Whoa. Okay, that got way different. <laughs> Peter Sellers ate my baby. Stop it. And then, and then Peter Sellers and Dancer in the Dark. <laughs> Good Lord. The Bjork Panther. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although I'm pretty sure Bjork has a song that's her going, get up, get up. Sounded like a, a bit like Joanna Newsom on my, my Bjork impression there. All right, let's see here. Okay, my next one, unnecessary sequel, is The Godfather 3. Mm. Now, here's the thing. It's not necessarily that that movie is terrible, because it isn't. It's just, just one aspect is bad. It's, the problem is, is that the first two are so steeped in praise and cinema excellence as they should be because they are Bible level filmmaking Mm -hmm. 
that the third one didn't stand up. And I think that if, if they hadn't made that third one, then if Francis Ford Coppola hadn't done that, then the first two movies on their own, that, that those two movies would be a perfect untouchable thing. And I think it, it really, it less, it cheapened the series by ending it on such a poor note in comparison. Yeah. And I think that's it where I, I think where I like your distinction of unnecessary yeah. Because a lot of people say it's bad, and it's not, not bad. Sophia Coppola is bad in it because yeah. she can't act. She can direct, but she can't, she can't act. At least in that movie. I don't know if I've I seen think they movie. almost gave that role to Madonna. Yeah, yeah nepotism. Um, but, yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's not a bad movie, but, yeah, it's kind of one of those things. It was kind of like, because it was like 14 years, 14, 15 years after Godfather yeah. 2. So it was kind of one of those things where it's like, and really, that's the, you know, in our world of sequels and all that, where you think, okay, action films, comedies, all these movies get sequels. Your hard-hitting mob dramas are not the kind of thing you're like, you know what, it's been 15 years since we've had a Godfather film. Let's yeah, check in with the Corleones. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then Pacino was getting right to his over, starting to get to really his over-the-top scenery-chewing acting. Yeah, and so that's where it's like you know you have a young Corleone because I mean the the first two are just amazing. God, the first Godfather is in my top five of all time. It's a phenomenal film. Yeah, but um, yeah, that one is like yeah, it's a little over the top. Unnecessary. But Andy Garcia's great name. So. Yeah, he is. Stop. All right. I wasn't talking about his acting either. Speaking of unnecessary, because it's one of my favorite Disney films and it's one of my favorite books. Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, oh God. Oh, that was, that's when he was like masturbating in Burton, you know, like, basically. You that's, please pull your dick out of Johnny Depp's ass for five minutes. Oh, necessary. Agreed. Agreed. I do not like, because I love Alice in Wonderland. It's one of my favorite stories. And on paper, that could have been amazing. Yes. Like if that film got made 20 years before it did, it could have been amazing. Yes. Like, I was so disappointed. I watched it recently because I'm watching all the Disney films. Um, when she gets to Wonderland, it is so bland. It is not Wonderland. Like, it's just, yeah, I, the only good thing about it is the costumes. That is it. That's only thing's good about it. And I don't want to see Johnny Depp butter whacking ever again. Whoa. <laughs> Durwood. No, I don't want to see it either. <laughs> um, my my next one is a TV reboot. Um, it was just severely disappointing to me, and I had really high hopes. But TV did what TV does. I'm talking about the 2012 re reboot of Dallas. Ah, oh. really? I kind of liked that. I liked it for the first couple episodes, where you really had a. It was really giving us a foothold on what Dallas was. But then when they turned it into the teen drama, I, I just wasn't feeling it. And then I realized, oh, that's that's TV these days. If we're going to do this kind of evening soap opera, it's going to be young people with stakes that are way above their head that it's hard to believe that they actually care about this shit, you know? And it just, I got taken out of it easy. Uh, but it was so, oh, it was so great seeing Patrick Duffy as Bobby Ewing. And right? seeing, oh, and seeing Sue Ellen. Sue Ellen! Oh, it was... Uh, it felt so great and nostalgic, and just to see them be able to act again was amazing, but it wasn't very long-lived, and it was very disappointing to me. 
Joe? Um, I'm going to go on the TV route as well. It's a remake of a TV show that was an adaptation of a film and play. And it had a tremendous cast and looked so promising. And the first episode was so horribly bad, I could not get past it. And usually my rule is if there's something I'm going to try and get into, it's like, I'll give it three episodes. Because sometimes that first episode, it sometimes takes about three episodes to find its footing. Sometimes it takes more than I have to eventually go back and watch it. But, and this is, I don't remember what year it was. It's been in the last five years. But The Odd Couple. Oh. Yeah. That was. The Odd Couple? Yep. It was with um, Thomas Lennon, Matthew Perry, Wendell Pierce, um, Yvette Nicole Brown. um, This amazing cast. It's forgotten about that. It should have been phenomenal. Oh. And the writing was so bad. And it was so boring. And it was so not funny. Oh, man. I completely flushed that out of my memory. Yeah, I had too until this came up. I'm like, ooh. And here's the thing about that, Joe. As you said, the cast was phenomenal. And so them doing something together probably should have worked. The concept of the odd couple does not work in our day and age. It's not odd for two men to live together. It's not odd for a man to maybe be gay. It's not odd for a dude to not pick up after himself and to live with a dude who does pick up after himself. That's not, and if you're gonna make that a TV show, like you said, the writing has to be phenomenal and really has to have nothing to do with that concept and they couldn't get around themselves on that. Uh, That could be part of the concept, but that just, you have to default past that. We can't remake Three's Company now. As right. awesome as it would be to have a TV series that's nothing but sexual innuendos, it can't be packaged in Three's Company. We can't remake Booze and Buddies these nowadays. You're right, and they tried. They did try, actually. I can't remember what the name of that show was. Oh, there was like a um, there was a TV show a little bit a little while ago. It was supposed to, and it was basically, yeah, it was kind of similar. But like they went, they got jobs in drag. It's almost like yeah. Tootsie, but like not in entertainment, which. Surprisingly, Tootsie works as a musical. But. To any content creators or network people who are listening right now, and they all I are. have an entire season of a new original series already written and ready to go that has never been done before. I'm just saying, I am just saying. You're just saying? It's the bod couple. The, 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 the Donovan Murray experience is ready to go. <laughs> all right, you're That's up. Your go. All right, all right, let's see here. Okay. Next one. I, I'm actually, honestly, Amy, I'm surprised you did not bring this up because when I was when I was doing research on the worst sequels, yeah. this was on almost every list, and I have to agree. Book of Shadows, The Blair Witch 2. Oh, oh that was... There is a, there is a saying that, that came to mind after I saw this movie, and that is, and I'm paraphrasing here, many a bad film has been produced from a good script, but a good film never came out of a bad script. Yep. Mm-hmm. Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2, to me, is like the epitome of that. Besides the well, fact that the sheriff is like Yosemite Sam. Right. Well, and it's, and it's one of those things. I remember we screened it for like a Halloween thing. I remember like, you know, we had like a Halloween staff screening. It was coming out the next day. We watched it. We're like, the hell was that shit? Because it's one of those things. Like, I was still working in theater when the first Blair Witch came out. We didn't have it in our theater. It was only playing in Hillcrest. And so when people came to our theater, I'm like, nope, 163, turn off university. Like, I had directions down for everyone. But, like, that was a phenomenon. 
Like that yeah. was say what you will about the movie because I know a lot of people now are like, oh, it's not scary, it's not that big. It's like at the time it was such. Yep. Like it was, it was not the found footage stuff. Really, wasn't done that much, or at right. least to that. Yes, scale. and we, we've talked about before how original it was, and you know, and it really should have been a standalone because yeah. when I saw Blair Witch, my first thought was, man, this needs a sequel that has nothing to do with these characters. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, I could understand if they wanted to take it and because a film that I, I did see a lot of praise heaped on was uh, Halloween 3 because that one took a hard left in the series yeah. and mm. tried to tell a different story with different characters and there was no Mike Myers in it. And that film is actually very popular because it was kind of a standalone. I would hope that if the, the makers behind the Blair Witch Project were trying to do a sequel, what they really should have done was gone further that way. Yeah. Instead, they made it take place in a world where the film exists and it's just this weird, it was too self-referential and bad. Um, not good. Mm-hmm. All right, my third one. I love movies that have dancing in them. You're they're, kidding. They're some of my favorite things. But the worst sequel Are you a dancer, darling? is Staying Alive. Ooh, I saw that a lot last night. Sorry, Fanola Hughes. John Travolta. Nobody needs to see that much of John Travolta, first of all. And I am still to this day trying to figure out what that show is about. Oh, it was like Goddess in Showgirls. Right. It makes no sense. The show that they are doing makes zero sense. And the They're trying to stay alive. I mean, really, it's... <laughs> Staying alive. Staying alive. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> well, it's the fact that he's playing the same character, but that character was not a professional dancer. Darlin'. Darlin'. And all of a sudden, he is a Broadway-level dancer. Well, give or take in the movie world. <laughs> yes. It drives me insane. Because that kind of nonsensical approach to Broadway would someday lead to the creation of the TV show Smash. Yes. Durwood. Okay, uh, my next one is a movie sequel. Uh, it's The Hangover 2, which... Oh, yeah. Is, it's, it's, it's The Hangover, just in Ooh. Thailand. They just... They took the same structure, and you know what? Mad props to them for being able to get that cash grab. People went and saw it. It made money, but it was not a good movie. They should have just called it more of the same. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one, even more of the same. Yes, that was Uh, the third one. I disagree, actually. I think the third one had a bit of a different tone. Uh, The third one was more of this kind of uh, quasi-heist... Uh, organized crime kind of thing going on, mixed with a little bit of comedy in it too. I thought it was, I thought the third one was interesting in its tone and the way that they layered it. It wasn't great. It that didn't feel really, shark jumpy. It, it didn't. Well, I mean, perhaps, but I still I still thought it wasn't that bad. I thought three was actually okay. Right. Two was just not good. Joe, so you're up. So I have one. It's um, a foreign film remake. Because, you know, those are usually so good. Um, but this one was on the actually the larger list of ones that are not very good. And the original film is so good, so fucked up. Oh, I know and I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. There's an amazing, like, there's an amazing one-shot scene in this film 
with a hammer. But the fact that Josh Brolin was in the American remake of Old Boy, do not watch that movie. That movie does not exist. Joey is blacking out right now because he doesn't realize that I'm talking and talking about something that does not exist. But that movie is bad. Like, bad. There's just something about that. It was just like done so well, so great. And then this one just like, it's like they're coloring by numbers with like black and white crayons. It's like, yeah, not- Spike Lee directed that, right? What? Yeah. Spike yeah. Lee directed that? Yeah, and I love Spike Lee, but yeah, there was... So do I, but... Stay in your lane, Spike. Right? Stay in your lane. You're up. Number four. All right. Bullet. All right, number four. Let's take a look here. Yoink. Okay. Uh, my next one is also a remake of a foreign film. Uh, and it was the 2004 remake of Shall We Dance? Oh, so unnecessary. With Richard Gere and, and J-Lo. And it just completely... I forgot that even existed. It completely <laughs> gutted all of the nuance, subtlety, and sweetness of the 1996 Japanese film. Like, no further proof is needed of the lack of depth than the soundtrack, which features the Dean Martin classic Sway by the fucking Pussycat Dolls. Mm-hmm. Like... Bro. They even left out the question mark in the title to make it marketable to illiterate Americans. <laughs> it's just, shall we dance? Like, the original film actually begins with a Shakespeare quote. The remake gives us Ja Rule. Ja Rule! I just, I can't. Because I, I was so charmed by well, that. Has it, hasn't Ja Rule been referred to as the Shakespeare of our times? <laughs> Only by Never. a shunner. Never. Ooh, baby. Yeah, it was, Never. And it was just like good call. I was, forgot about that. It was that. so watered down. Yeah. Good call, my friend. Thank you. Um, okay. My last two, so yeah, are gonna be like all inclusive. Don't do this anymore. And the first one is, is nutcracker movies. Um, I love the nutcracker ballet. It is one of my favorite things and whenever they try to do a movie version I am Charlie Brown with a football I get so excited (laughs) and I run to the theater and then they pull the football away from me every time leave it alone there was never a good one never a good one really just leave it alone not even the Macaulay Culkin one leave it alone okay it belongs on the stage Eh. unless you're gonna film a stage ballet without any other nonsense. The only good nutcracker movie is Football in the Groin. Hans Molman. I don't even know what that Disney Four Realms bullshit was. Again, leave it alone. Like, they didn't even use the music as the soundtrack. Like, I I can't. I just can't. Derwood, you're up. All the Disney Oakland in the world couldn't save that movie. Just leave it alone. Okay, uh, I'm surprised this hasn't been mentioned yet, and I know I'm not the only one who feels this way, but Indiana Jones and the King- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, <laughs> and go fuck itself. It was, uh, it was bad. I was, I was okay with them trying to shoehorn Shia LaBeouf in there. I could deal. I was okay with Harrison Ford hiding in a refrigerator. I could deal. Um, my breaking point was when it was a fucking alien skull, and I was just like, you, you, fuck you. 
fuck you was well, all I thought. So I thought, fuck you. Mine was the um, just that whole edu- ex- execution because in the end, where you think about it, it's like the aliens didn't seem out of you know that out of ordinary for the for the world we we're in because with Indiana Jones because when you think about it, it deals with so much supernatural stuff with you know religious and the uh, well really all three technically yeah. are all religion type stuff whether it's like Old Testament New Testament. Um, you know, Temple of Doom and all racism, and then um, and Spielberg. So if, if it's not dealing with Nazis and stuff like that, it's going to be dealing with aliens. So I mean, really, you should have but seen I, that coming. It was just not executed well. No. And I think that's where my disappointment was, though, the fact that we know it's Spielberg and we know that his affinity for aliens. It seemed like, but you do alien stuff over there. You don't do that here. And it almost seemed like he ran out of ideas. And so he just went into his bag of tricks. And it's like, oh, alien. We'll throw that in but here. But we also have to remember, Lucas has a huge say in this as well. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, like, there was he put his peanut butter and jelly in the same jar. Yes, that's exactly what he did. And it's a goddamn abomination. <laughs> Joe? So this is a remake movie. And the remake is directed by... Some of my favorite directors of all time. They have done some of the funniest, wittiest, cleverest movies in the last 40 years. And this original movie starred a Sir Michael Caine. I think so. I think I might be wrong, but I, I'm now doubting myself. However, this <laughs> remake is The Lady Killers. Directed by the Coen Brothers, starring Tom Hanks. Don't see it. Oh, here I was thinking. Wait a minute, the Zucker Brothers remade Alfie. Because <laughs> <laughs> first of all, I'm here for that. Yeah. Just not. Yeah. Just not with. Um, that was not a good film. No, it was like Tom Hanks just. Yeah. And he usually does pretty good, even in bad movies. He does pretty good, and that was just like a new. No. Yeah, I've heard good things about Tom Hanks. <laughs> your last one. He's a, he's a big up and comer. <laughs> he's one you heard it here first. All right, I I have in the past for longtime listeners of this here show uh, shared my disgust of this movie just in theory alone, let alone in practice. But to me, the most uh, aside from Gus Van Sant's Psycho, the most egregious, unnecessary remake of all time, 2005. Guess who? Starring oh. Bernie Mac oh, and Ashton yeah. Kutcher. Oh, not yes. like let's let's just take the original. Guess who's coming to dinner and shit all over it because mm-hmm. that movie was so good when the 1967 film was made. Interracial marriage was still illegal in 17 states. Thank you. Like, it was such a timely piece, and it was a big deal. Two weeks after filming his last scene, Spencer Tracy died. Two days after that. The Supreme Court decriminalized uh, interracial marriage nationwide. So it was such an important piece. And it's a great movie. It's such a great film. And like to to, to walk it back to what Derwood said earlier is one of those things where with time, the concept no longer stands. You know? Exactly. And it almost feels like they took what was a very serious, groundbreaking film and were making a mockery of it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah, I, I could not get behind that. That, to me, is just... They're trying to do the witty genre changing of something. Right. And, it and like, normally, 
normally to do the genre changing, you go from comedic to serious. It tend to be where it works best. Right. It just didn't. It didn't have the weight of the original, and there was there was no need to touch it. Nope. No, not at all. All right, my number one, and again, this is an all-inclusive, and I'm going to get a lot of pushback for this, but this drives me insane, and I find it insulting. All female cast reboots of movies. Mm. I hate it. It is so insulting to me to take a group of wonderful women and go, here you go, ladies, shoot gnaw on our scraps. Mm. If you're going to put these casts together, give them something original. I know, I know it's po possible. I know you can do it. The stories are out there. The stories are out there. But just to say, oh, look, we're going to redo this thing with women, it's insulting to me. It really is. And I, I've yet to see one that's really great. Like the Ghostbusters remake was funny only because of Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones. Um, the, and Chris Hemsworth. And Chris Hemsworth. The Oceans remake was dumb. I thought it was good. I, I, didn't I liked it. Oceans. I didn't, I thought it was, it was okay. better than Ocean's 12. Yes. See, I love Ocean's 12. Ocean's 12 is what I did on my, on my Italian summer vacation I with the cast. Ocean's 12. That has a great soundtrack. That it does. Um, and, 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 and there's a, that, yeah, the one scene where he's going through the, all the, um, the lasers and stuff. The lasers. But yeah, it, I find it insulting. I really do. Like, give these women something original to do. We don't need to just take the scraps of men. Well, now, now here's the question because I, I totally, I totally get it and understand it, and um, it's just what, what if it is a group of women decide, hey, we're gonna do this, we want to do this, well, and it's fully led by them. No man came anywhere near any of it. I'm just, just curious. I mean, it would, it would have to depend on what it is, and oh yeah, definitely. Just the idea of we're gonna make a women's. Ocean's Eleven. Oh, great. Awesome. Like, and you're like, wasting such talent. Yeah, like if it was the Pussycat Dolls saying we're going to, you know, remake The Godfather or something. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board. Like if they all said that they want. Here's, right. a, here's a question I have for you, Amy, actually, and I'm very curious about this. Uh, and it doesn't apply to Ghostbusters, but specifically with the Ocean's remake. Yeah. Where that's, that's a genre. That's a heist film. Right. And really, the only connection that you have between the two movies is that they decided that Sandra Bullock's character is related to George Clooney's character. Right. Without that, and if it's just a heist movie, how would you feel about that? Like, if, if Ocean's 8 was just called Theft at the Met or something like that, <laughs> and it doesn't have the association, to me it seems like that that's all that that's lacking there. But that's the insulting part, to say we can't have these women do a film unless we attach it to these men. Gotcha. I will say that is, I mean, but there is the, the, the genre Think I think about back, um, a failed pilot from Brian Fuller of 13 Mockingbird Lane, which uh, I thought was amazing. Great. And that was originally supposed to be the monsters. Right. It wasn't supposed to, it was, he wanted to do a story about just monsters living in the real world. And he's all like, as he's getting further and further into the process, he's like, well, shit. I'm basically just doing a remake of the Monsters. Well, fuck. All right. Now I'm going to do a remake of the Monsters now. So sometimes it might transition, but I totally see your point and get him. Sure would. Uh, so this one I picked because never has there been a sequel 
movie that I hated so much. I hated as much as I loved the original. And I so loved the original, uh, probably to a hyperbolic uh, degree, um, and much to the chagrin of many of my friends. But the sequel is just so disappointing and so such a letdown and just so horrible and bad. And I'm referring to Anchorman 2. Anchorman 2 is just shitty yeah. and horrible and insulting to all of its friend, all of its fans. Honestly. Now, are you referring to Anchorman 2 or the where they took a bunch of extra footage from the first Anchorman and created a whole separate movie? No, I'm talking about the, the <laughs> Anchorman 2, The Legend yeah. Continues. Yeah, no, that was how shit. shitty that was. It was just so, so bad. And they, they prayed. They prayed on this large fan base they had created uh, from the original and from its video and DVD sales. And, and if I remember correctly, that was quite some years after the original. Yeah, it was. Like, it they was. had time to come up with a good story. Yeah. And, but they just rehashed so much of it. And it's like probably the closest to a decent scene is a just overextended rehash of basically the fight scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were just all of a sudden cameos, 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 and it's still bad. Yeah, I, I hate it when sequels are so full of self-referential things that it gets in the way. I think well, the first movie that springs to mind that did not do that for me was uh, X-Files I Want to Believe. Oh, that was a sequel that came along a long time after the other one, and they didn't do a bunch of in-jokes with the series or anything like that. It kind of stood alone as its own thing, and I think that's... The Ron Burgundy it. scene in it was weird, though. <laughs> All right, Joe, what's your last one? So my last one, uh, which my number one would be Psycho, but, you know, that was taken. And um, is... Now let's go back to... is it, it's, it's a movie in a series of films that I have given my praise for and that I very much enjoy and love this series that is generally viewed as not the best series in the world. Well, there's one film in it, the last film in the series, that is absolute crap. And that is Police Academy 7, Mission to Moscow. <laughs> was anyone from the original cast left in that? Yes. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was, oh, oh God, who even, Michael Winslow was in that one? Yeah, uh, I don't remember who I thought was in it. I forgot it. It was shit. I saw it once. I finally saw, like, I think I saw it within the last decade last five, ten years, I finally saw it. And this movie came out in, like, 97. And, yeah, it it's not good. And recently, City Under Siege has been on cable a lot. That's number six. I have been up, I've been up to, like, 1 a.m. watching it. It's not good, but I love it. All I right. hear you, Joe. Here we and go. I agree with you. We're going to go with the best now. The best. And I'm going to have to ask you guys to pick up the pace a bit. We're running a bit long this time. Fine. <laughs> so pick up your pace a bit. Okay. Top five. Give me your best. One at a time. Go, boy. Okay. Here we go. I was going in the wrong direction. Sorry. Okay. Uh, here we go. Here's one that I really enjoyed. Um, this is a TV show, actually. It, uh, the remake came out on Netflix of one of my favorite childhood cartoons, uh, and the Netflix series was She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Um, now, this is one of those things that I watched knowing full well that this was not for me because I am not a 10-year-old anymore, and I'm not one of those people that 
is so protective of their childhood things that, you know, I didn't want a new generation to experience. But it is actually really good. Uh, there were some things about it that I loved. There were some things about it that I did not love. But again, not for me. But the thing that I love the most is the showrunner, Noelle Stevenson. Um, she said one of my favorite, most badass quotes I've ever heard any creator say, and that was, assume every character on my shows are gay until you're told otherwise. Uh, which I absolutely love. Nice, nice. There were, there were no gay characters. There were no queer characters. There were no non-binary characters on television when I was 10 years old in the 80s. If there were, maybe I wouldn't have been 12 or 13 years old lying awake at night terrified that I might be gay. Because when you live your whole young life seeing yourself as the other and you don't see yourself in normal situations, and I think that this show is gonna help a whole generation of kids along with other shows like Steven Universe, where there's a lot of queer representation and I'm here for that. And again, it was a really solid remake of the original series. I actually got kind of hooked in watching it with him sometimes when he was on. Mm -hmm. Okay, my number five, and it's gonna be a little controversial, I'm going with a dance film, and that would be Grease 2. I <laughs> love Put that hipster two. bullshit out. No. Oh my God, that movie is bullshit. I love Grease 2. Because the first one is such a fine film. The woman that choreographed it also directed it, so it is beautifully shot for the choreography. It does not get any better than Cool Rider. It is uh, one of my favorite things. And I have to say, soundtrack <laughs> for soundtrack with Grease versus Grease 2, yes, the, the hits that you know from the movie Grease are iconic, but the rest of the, the soundtrack is the score to the musical, which is not very good. So you've got a handful of really good songs on that soundtrack. Grease 2? Oh, it's nothing but gold. I'm telling you, reproduction. You can't even say that You can't say that with a straight face. I'm not gonna sit here and listen to this bullshit. Grease 2 is not good. Let's knock this shit off. This is horrible. Look at what you're doing to the children. Grease Says the man that eats Scrapple. I mean, look, I'm not saying, I won't say it's a good movie. But I will say I enjoy the hell out I of it. Love it. The Derwood. Amazing. We have how how often have you and I professed our love for police academy films? <laughs> we don't have far to walk in this race. And I will tell you what, young day Rex Manning can get it twice on Sundays. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry, Derwood. Go ahead. What's your number five? So my number five is Police Academy three. <laughs> 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 he said that. Um, my favorite in the series. Holds uh -huh. uh, special memories for me. I probably still know it word for word if I watch it right now. Um, oh my it's, god! It's the peak and it's the pinnacle of that series. Uh, fuck you, Ford's my favorite. Ford, we can move on. Cop is my favorite. I get it. What you got, Joe? So. I went, this is the only one that would classify as a sequel on my list. I, I went away from sequels. But this one, I believe, fits all three categories. Sequel, reboot, and remake. That movie, Evil Dead 2. Oh, nice. Because basically, let's take Evil Dead, this low-budget horror film that is phenomenal. Let's get a little bit bu bigger budget. Basically, do the whole story 
change it around a bit, and then evolve into Army of Darkness. Well, and that, that was what I was referring to earlier when I said sometimes a trilogy or a movie series becomes more successful by flipping the script and changing genres. And I almost feel like Evil Dead did that because Evil Dead 2 is basically more a comedy than a horror film as my oh, it's it is my it's like my favorite re, yeah remake reboot sequel horror slapstick vaudeville yeah. comedy like it is like everything all right you're up still not watching it but you know that's cool you don't know what you're missing. scary movies me no like all right my next one let's see do, 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 is actually jurassic park 3 um, and the reason that this Underrated. is on one of my favorite sequels list is because it was such a glorious return to form after The Lost World. Oh my god. I, I don't think people understand how much I fucking hate that movie. It was a painful theater-going experience. And I understand that Jurassic Park was a breakthrough film that was begging for a sequel. But that and it had a book. It. There's only one scene from the damn book. Yep. And Jurassic Park 3... There's a lot of things about it that are different. Joe Johnson came in and Johnston came in and directed it. It was the first in the series not directed by Spielberg, even though he served as executive producer. It was the first one not fully based on the Michael Crichton books. And uh, what I particularly love, even though it was the lowest grossing film in the franchise, is that the third draft of the script was rejected and production actually began filming without a script. So million dollar budget and they're making the shit up on the spot like it's an ed wood film damn and the other thing that i thought was really funny is that if you blink you will miss laura dern's cameo in that movie and that was joe johnston's decision because her her shit was all filmed in one day because he didn't want uh laura dern together with sam neill in the film because he felt they didn't look good together because laura hadn't aged in 15 years so that might actually be the first time in cinema history that a woman aged out of a part for being too young. <laughs> but, you know, they, they had the pterodactyls in the movie, which they didn't yeah. have in the original. I love that they finally got the aviary in there. Yes. It, it gave me what I so wanted The Lost World to be. Mm -hmm. So fine film, no, but a glorious return to form and a good sequel. Nice. All right. My number four is the only TV series on my list, and that is... Battlestar Galactica. The remake of Battlestar Galactica is amazing. Sound engineer Joey is pleased. It is an amazing series. That reboot is so good. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, watch it. You will not be disappointed. Is that from the, the early aughts? How old is that series? I don't know. It's, it's from the, yeah, it's from the aughts. I think it yeah. ended. Yeah, and I did around like 9, 10. It's just solid TV good. Watch it. Derwood. I'm going to go with Major League Two. <laughs> the first one was just very enjoyable, and the second one, to me, was just as enjoyable, which is rare to do with a sequel, especially a sequel of a sports movie, mm -hmm. uh, where essentially it's kind of the same old shit, but it's still really, really fun to me. Uh, not much really needs to be said about this one. Same characters. Madcap comedy. And almost the same cast playing the same characters. Almost, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just always been really, really enjoyable to me. Those who know, they know. Yes. Joe. Um, this is the only, um, this one is actually a very recent one. And it is the, it, 
is the Watchmen TV series that just came out. Yeah. It is phenomenal. And oh, now I will say I did enjoy the Watchmen movie. Mm-hmm. I it it is nowhere near as good as the comic book, but I mean that's it, the comic the graphic novel comic is just one of the greatest things ever written and it's phenomenal. There's so many layers and I just and it was one of those things like the it came the series came out and I was like well, I need to reread the comic. I hadn't read it in like five years. It was packed away in some box from when I moved the previous time. And so I finally got out. And then I, and sometimes I was reading comics, like I'd read graphic novels. I get through a graphic novel in a night. And I was like, whatever. This takes, so, like, it's like a night to read an issue of the, the 12, you know, issues in it. And it's like, it's so deep. So let, and then the, what they did with the series is phenomenal. It's so timely, so oh, relevant. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm not no, I'm not gonna say anything else about it. it's like and you know what? Even if you've never seen or read the the original, watch it. It yeah. is phenomenal. You, I, you'll I get enough backstory to get it. I never read the comic, but I did see the movie. My boyfriend and I watched the movie before we watched the series, and yeah, it, it is I did finish the series and it is brilliant. It you is you, you might look it might be a little weird because the ending of the movie is different than the comic and they go off the ending of the comic instead oh, of the movie. Well, but I, I did not know that, but I yeah. can tell all you. That squid, all the squid shit is from the comic, not the okay. movie. Any, any amount of praise heaped on Regina King is Oh my God, enough. she is phenomenal. Yeah. But I've been saying I mean, that about anything, her. but yeah. All right, you're back up. Okay. Let's see, what is my next one? You're number three. Okay, my next one is a film that we actually mentioned before, Tron Legacy. Now, I, uh, I it took me a long time. Actually, uh, Joe showed me the original Tron very, very briefly before this movie came out because I hadn't really, I hadn't seen it uh, since uh, when it came out in 1982. But it, I thought it was just so amazing visually and the music Daft Punk score is incredible. Oh my God. I mean, just such a beautiful blending of art and technology and music and taking what made the original so cool in 1982 and just putting it up to the next level while still keeping so much of that universe. And there are some cool things about that movie that I learned, like for example, um, Jeff Bridges, who in the movie plays not only modern day Flynn, but also Clue, who is the 35 year old version of Jeff Bridges, Apparently, when they did the scans for his face in order to do that CGI, it was not taken from the original Tron. They took it from the movie Against All Odds because they wanted him to look a few years older. Uh, I guess because in the story, uh, Flynn creates Clue seven years after the original Tron, and Bridges would film all of his scenes with four micro cameras recording 138 points of movement on his face while a body double acted them out, and then they'd replace his head with CGI, which is so cool. But another thing that I absolutely loved about this movie and reading facts about it was that when you see the gaming arena, the crowd noises that you hear were all recorded at San Diego Comic-Con. I know, I'm on it. Panel. I was there. <laughs> well, then that, you're in that movie because the, the yep. crowd was directed on a large video screen for the chance. And that was just so cool to me. Um, and it just, it's really, I mean, I'm not going to say it's great cinema because it's not. But it is a good movie, and it is a marvel to look at and listen and, to. Yeah, and the first, and that was in the, um, when that came out, was in the um, recent revival of 3D. And, you know, they just tack on 3D to so much shit, and it would be crap. 
And this one, it didn't make it come at you. It gave it depth. It was filmed. And it was phenomenal in 3D. All right. My next one is a remake, horror genre, and that is the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I love that remake. I think it was so good. It is. I like the, the fact that they kept the thing of everybody being trapped in the mall, but the zombies are just like kick-ass fast and ready to just murder everybody. I, I think that remake is really, really good. And I watch it anytime I see it's on. I'm much like Anthony, and when it comes to horror, me no likey. Uh-huh. I enjoyed it. That's good. Derwood, and, that's what, and that's kind of what shot Zack Snyder onto the scene. Yeah. Damn it. Um, my next one uh, is on the list because it gave me everything that I wanted and everything that I was expecting. It's also an adaptation as well as being a sequel. And oh, it's adaptation. mentioned Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. It was just everything I could have hoped it would be. And it, yeah, gave me the boner and finished me off. J.K. Rowling is a garbage transphobe. Yes, yep. she is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't love Prisoner of Azkaban. That would have been my pick. That was on my honorable mentions, yeah. actually. Yeah. Still yeah. a horrible person, J.K. Yes. Rowling. So my next one is the other TV series I have on mine, and this is much like um, Anthony with Shira is um, not necessarily. Uh, I am not the demographic for this. I am not a brony, but <laughs> well, my little pony, work. My Little Pony: Friendship and Magic is pretty excellent it is there it's they make it because it's kind of, one of those things like where there's stuff for the kids but then there's they have references there's a freaking lebowski episode <laughs> like they go and they're trying to and they find the some ponies and it is um and you have they whatever happens but it has basically the dude walter and donnie and what's fucked up because it ends in a wedding only the dude and walter are there donnie pony is not there that means they killed off, like the events of Lebowski happened and Donnie died. But this, it is such a good show. And there's like, I mean, there's good messages, good for kids to watch and things to learn. But there's actually really good stuff in it. I could have given you a list of 100 things that I thought would be on Joe's list. And I have to say that the My Little Pony Lebowski was not on it. <laughs> Full of surprises, Joe. You don't know Joe at all, do I, you? Apparently yeah. not. Right, you're but no, it's a good show. You know, there is no reason to call me shit. I'm just saying. Get to it, man. Okay. Um, for me, this is the movie that completely smashed the notion that television shows cannot properly be adapted to the screen. 1993, Adam's Family Values. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. This, the, good the, call. Yes, I, I mean, it really, it not only was it a far superior film to the first one, I, it did better at the box office, and it was better reviewed than the first I one. I don't think it was that much better. I love the first one, but I really love Adam Family. And I love both. The difference was that the second one was written by Paul Rudnick, who wrote in and out Jeffrey and did uncredited script doctoring on the first Adam's Family movie. He also worked on the first Wives Club and he did the first draft of Sister Act under the name Joseph Howard because when the original script for Bette Midler was retooled for Whoopi, he didn't want his real name on it. Hmm. Uh, but it took everything about the first one and amped it up. The film is so good that everyone completely forgot the one bad thing about it. 
Think about it. There is no bad thing about it. Oh, yes, there is. You just can't remember what it is. Because there isn't one. There is. No, there isn't. The bad thing about this film that everyone forgot it was ends. that the title track for the soundtrack was Adam's With Family Hammer. by the tag team. Oh. Oh, that's right. Hammer did the first one. Yes. Yeah. And I was convinced that I was going to go on YouTube and find this track. But if it is not, whoop, Adam's Family, whoop, Adam's Family, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I love that film. Yeah, they're great. I love that film. I love both Adams and but yes, they're great. And all right, agreed. My number two has to be the best horror sequel of all time, and that is Aliens. Mm. Excellent. Uh, yes, I actually think it's better than the original. I think Aliens is a superior film, and it is a badass film. Awesome. I prefer Alien, but it's there. It's because they're two separate genres. It's like Alien is like. You know, you're like haunted house, like very claustrophobic. Alien just give James Cameron a budget and he'll just blow you the fuck away with everything. So good. I love that film. Yeah, it's a phenomenal film. All right. Um, you're going to think I'm joking when I say this, but I'm not. Um, a lot of people want to shit on this movie uh, because they don't understand its subtitle and also because of latent racism. Um, this is also a dance film. Uh, and it's breaking to Electric Boogaloo. I said it. The movie is good. I, Stop no, laughing. No, the movie, movie is good. You cannot give me shit for Grease 2 now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I really can. Breaking 2 is amazing. The movie is not about a plot or acting. It's about dancing. And they give us dancing. They amp it up from the first movie. They give us what we came for. Uh -huh. They find ways to just show us this incredible break dancing and pop locking. And that's what I came for, and that's what I got. And you are definitely a racist if you don't appreciate that culturally sensitive portrayal of Puerto Rican women. <laughs> no, it's been adopted by... Um... I mean, I'm just saying, uh -huh. Breaking 2 is my shit. Na-da, dum-dum-dum, na-da, I mean, it's no Adam's family, but it's a good song. Uh, my next one is a remake of a 1960s French film that is only about half an hour long, and it incorporates basically just still photography. It was then, in the 90s, adapted by Terry Gilliam, starring Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt, and oh, yeah. that is 12 Monkeys. Excellent which La Jetée, which is the original French film, is a phenomenal. It's only ha half an hour long, and it's basically a bunch of photographs and dealing with the basic plot of Twelve Monkeys. And it's a great film. And then, but Twelve Monkeys, the movie, is phenomenal. And I mean, Brad Pitt's phenomenal in it, and just everything about it. It's on. I turn it on and I watch it. Never seen it. It's so good. And even the the sci-fi series, I watched the first season of it. Wasn't bad. So yeah, that was all right. All right, what's, what's your favorite? All what right, you got? let's see here. Uh, my favorite sequel of all time, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Good call. That, that, okay. that, it wasn't until very recently when we rewatched all of those films that I realized that, yes, A New Hope is a great movie. Empire Strikes Back is a great film. Mm. And I am so glad that when Irvin Kirshner was was given the, the project and he initially turned it down because he didn't want to direct the sequel to the most successful film of, film of all time. 
I'm really glad that he he decided against that because to me that film elevated the genre because you had this this really poignant well acted film out of this ridiculous space fantasy. Well, and Kasdan's uh, script is also phenomenal. So. Yeah, and I, I just, I really, I loved it. And it is my favorite sequel. It's a good... All right, mine is a remake, and it should come as no surprise to anyone, and that would be Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Ah. Yes. It is an amazing film, um, despite the fact that we have to have Keanu Reeves in it. Whoa. Stop. <laughs> Thank you, Lane, Keanu. Um, Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder are just so amazing and yeah that I love it it's so good that would be my number one for what uh again this is a one that I think people are gonna think I'm joking about but I'm absolutely dead serious it's everything that a sequel should be um, you take a deeper look into some of the characters that maybe didn't have a, a close look in the first one. You take and put them in a different environment, but you still build on things that happened in the first one. And you also have a dope ass soundtrack. Uh, I'm talking about the Karate Kid Part Two. I've often said the Karate Kid uh, is the second best movie to come from the '80s. Uh, it has the best sequel uh, ever, in my opinion. Uh, granted, I haven't seen The Godfather Two. Uh, but yeah, the Karate Kid Part Two is everything that a sequel should be, in my opinion. I don't even remember that movie. I don't either. That's one where they go to Japan, right? <laughs> yeah, they go to Okinawa. I yeah. think that had the glory of love in it, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't like the Karate Kid, so I didn't watch the sequel. Well, you're wrong, Amy. Ralph Macho, he got on my nerves. No love Fair for Swank. No. Swank. No. No. So my number one that I have here, so I stayed away from, especially like when I tried to stay away from like sequels and stuff, just because they're just the all encompassing. I, I tried to stay away from superhero films just because there's so many. It's like, yeah. where do I include? And then I was thinking about it and I was thinking one of the best, most original um, remakes, reboots, I would say of a movie. And that is a remake of the Steve McQueen classic, The Great Escape. And that is Chicken Run. Seriously, if you have never watched, I've always wanted to do a double feature, watch The Great Escape, then watch Chicken Run, because there is, I I saw Chicken Run after I've seen The Great Escape, but it is so great, and there's so much brilliance in it. And it's such a great film, even though it has Mel Gibson in it. Um, and I don't want to be a pie. I don't like gravy. Like gravy. I named one of our chickens Babs. Like <laughs> if we had if we had gotten a red chicken, I would have named it Ginger. Like I wanted to. Like I love that movie. It's a great we, movie. The day that movie opened, a few of us we tried to go to every AMC at the time. There's like five to see it, it all at different theaters in one day. We only did four, so we saw it four times in one day. From Chula Vista all the way up to Encinitas. Yep, you came to my theater, right? Yeah, yeah. We I got chicken. We got that. chicken and ate chicken in the theater while we watched it. And <laughs> That's a good call, Joe. Yeah, it was. It it is a phenomenal film. All right, fellas, I think we did good. All right, I think we covered a lot of genres. It's a big topic. It is a big topic. It's so, a lot. There's so many. I was gonna say, I'm glad. I'm glad I had honorable mentions. So. Right? All right, kids. Wrap it up.
All right. Well, if you liked what you heard here, you can get a dose of our funny every day on Twitter. You can follow us at, at Pop Culture House, or you can follow me personally, Anthony Donovan, at Daboy, D-A-B-O-Y. I'm at Reggie Swing. I'm Prisoner246, Obi-Wan. I don't do Twitter. I know you don't do Twitter. Or you can I don't become- listen to hip-hop you can become a patron and get in on the, the, the first or further up levels on our Patreon page for the House of Pop Culture. For as little as $1 a month, you can get access to exclusive content, our before and after show uh, pre-roll, which is pretty damn funny. You can hear Amy and Derwood arguing about nothing for five minutes. We gotta do one of those which, again, Derwood. let me tell you, is worth the price of admission mm-hmm. and I'm many other things. So my day. check it out, like us on Facebook, and make sure if you enjoy what you heard here, Tell a friend, because we are down for some new listeners. I mean, we love you all, too, but let's let's get more people up in this mix. And if we missed anything or you want to give us some feedback... You can email us at thehouseofpopculture at gmail.com. Ooh, yeah. And we want to give a special thanks and love to sound engineer Joey for making it all happen. Woo-hoo! And you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye! Okay, first of all, there is nothing in Adam's family that can fuck with that turkey musical number. I'm not the one to keep it. I'm not the one to keep it. Eat me! I was a ballerina Barbie. I was soft and delicate.